0: Considering a theological lesson that James gives us, the fourth lesson of the first chapter. The Bible tells us, and we have been reminded of it as we began this service by our brother Eric, that we are to teach and admonish one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. We just did that in the words, cheer up my brother. If you're not cheered up this morning, you weren't listening to all of us. We were all telling you to cheer up, my brother, live in the sunshine. A few minutes earlier we had sang, Heavenly sunlight flooding my soul with glory divine. The Lord Jesus Christ is a son of righteousness. He has no variableness of turning, nor is there any shadows with him. The sun that's outside today, it's going to set tonight. It's going to change from tropic to tropic. It gives us different seasons and different lengths of days. It varies all the time. But the Lord never varies. Amen. And we can put our trust in Him. For a few minutes, let us consider the fourth lesson of the first chapter. And it's contained in verses 12-17. through 17. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried... He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen and amen. This is the word of the Lord, and it's an inspired theology lesson for us. Theology is the science of God. We can learn about God from these verses that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. We can learn about his character and his conduct regarding men. We just had read to us three sober passages of scripture. I observed that there were many more amen's for Joseph from Genesis 39 than for David from 2nd Samuel 11 or Amnon in 2 Samuel 13. We have to make a distinction in the verses that we are looking at right now. That the word tempt is used in two different ways. God tempted Abraham. God tempted Abraham by putting a trial in front of him that he could respond to either through his lust or through his faith. Abraham chose to respond through his faith. He obeyed the Lord. He rose up early in the morning. He took Isaac. He answered Isaac's terrible question, where is the, the lamb? And the Lord saw that he had great fear and faith in him. There is another use of the word tempt, and that is the use of the word that we're going to find in verses 13 through 16 here, that God does not entice men to sin. He is above that. The truth is, we need to do it. We've got enough enticement already. In sin. All he has to do is lift his hand a little bit, and we would fly after any sin that he didn't restrain us. Right. He is not guilty of tempting us in that second sense by enticing us or seducing us, or infusing in us any evil desire for sin. All he ever does. Is put circumstances in our way that we make a choice to respond by faith or by love. We had three accounts read to us. Genesis chapter 39 was the account of our brother Joseph. When you read that passage and you men have read it many, many times, isn't it humbling every time we read it how this woman, Potiphar's wife, sought after Him day by day. This was not an isolated event. This was a perpetual circumstance in His life. He had James 1, 2 through 2-4 being applied to Him. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. God had arranged circumstances for Him to be confronted by likely an attractive woman. Far away from home... In the prime of his youth, day by day, in the security and privacy of a house where his master and her husband was not home. And look at what he did. He responded entirely by faith. God has blessed me with this job. I have responsibility for everything that is here and I am over all of it except you. How can I sin against God and commit this great wickedness? He responded by faith. God tempted Joseph, but only in the sense of having brought about the circumstances that Joseph was working in a house where there was such a woman that would make advances for him. God did not infuse any evil desire into Joseph. And Joseph, by faith, looked that temptation in the eye and turned it down for the glory of God and an obedience to God. What a hero. What a glorious hero the Bible gives us in Joseph and recording that for us in Genesis 39. This is Second Samuel 11. And we read about our brother David. Our brother David, when it was time for kings to go to war, Didn't go to war, he stayed at war. Our brother David, lying on his bed, chose to be discontented with his life and got up off that bed. Instead of finding refuge in any number, in a door down the long hallway that was attached to his bedroom, he went wandering. And the Lord tempted David not by putting evil in his heart, but by arranging for the circumstances of a beautiful woman to be washing herself at the time he was already in the wrong. David did not respond by faith. David responded. David saw. David had not girded up the loins of his mind, nor was he where he should be, nor was he doing what he should have been doing. And the circumstances were too for him because he was not living by faith. God tempted David. God had a little girl be born that was named Bathsheba. When those parents saw the eyes and the hair and in in time, her body developed and developed probably more fully than the average woman. God arranged all of that. And God arranged it. And that's a good thing. God is always good in everything He does. That is something she her husband, her parents, her friends, could all be thankful for. But God arranged the circumstances for her to be doing something good and innocent and for David in the foolishness of his life to encounter her. God arranged the situation. God did not infuse any evil. David had enough of that in his heart. And it was his lust that conceived and brought forth sin. I'm trying to give you object lessons from the Bible to understand James 1 and exactly what it's telling us. We can never blame God for our sins. And though He may arrange circumstances for us, we have a promise that the circumstances He arranges for us are common to man and He always gives a way of escape that we may be able to bear them. Therefore, we are responsible 100% for our sins even though we know that it's the providence of God that arranges the circumstances. Let us go to the third example. And what a sordid, dirty, rotten scoundrel we read about. But we are given more details that fill out James 1 than any other place in the Bible. This young man had a very fair sister. Absalom. And his mother and father were thankful fair Tamar. Beauty is a blessing from God. Who can fault God for Tamar being beautiful? Right. That was a good thing. God only does what is good. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above. Amen. We corrupt Amen. and ruin everything. Tamar was beautiful. Her half-brother Amnon wanted her. He lusted after her. He fantasized about her. He fantasized about her until it made him sick. And he had a cousin named Jonadab who gave life to his lust. And his lust conceived a plan with the help of Jonadab and he raped his sister. As soon as the rape was over, he hated her more than he had loved her. And two years later, he died for it. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It is one of the most graphic, plain, true, honest stories in the Bible because it gives more details than most. It describes the lust beginning in the fantasies of that young man's mind and going all the way till he's physically dead. But before he gets to die physically, he's filled with hatred for because sin never pays. Sin is a destroyer. It's a deceiver. And it's a liar he let lust come out when he told jonadab why he was lean from day to day he used jonadab's idea to conceive a plan and a plot he created an opportunity he sinned and it brought forth death this is using the bible to give us object lessons now let us look at james 1:12 and these verses very quickly of course, we could preach a sermon on each of those men and those verses that were read, but I hope their reading and the brief reminding and explanation I just gave you is sufficient. Blessed, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Who is that? That's Joseph. Joseph endured temptation. He had it stuck in his face every day. He was lonely. And excuse my words and I mean no disrespect or foolishness by them. He was horny. He was in the prime of life. He was burning up as a young man. He was far from home. She had the wiles of a married woman. But he endured temptation day by day. Did you hear, did you see those words? Day by day. It wasn't once. It was repeatedly. And we love him for it. And he's such a good example to us because of it. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. It wasn't one day that he said no. It was day by day he said no, that he would not lie with her. And did you notice? Nor would he be with her. He wouldn't even be with her. Young man, listen to me. You can't be with her. You can't start by being with her. You can't say, I'll be with her, but I won't go that far. If you're going to be with her, she will take you down because many strong men have been wounded by her. She is stronger than you are. So you don't even be with her. You stay away from her just like the Bible tells you. And Jonathan, I'm not smart enough to plan the three young men. But I appreciate your vote of confidence. Never crossed my mind until the young pup speaks up. I'm not smart enough for that. Let's, let's let the truth be told. The Lord did that. I wish I was that good. I just used the alphabetical listing. But you know what? I thank you for mentioning it. Because I've got three of you on the line at least. Because you read those passages. And I hope you notice the words, Nor would he be with her. Because if you make the choice to be with her, you have made the choice to be destroyed. And that's why Solomon, in chapter 7 of Proverbs, when he looked through the casement of his window, and he saw that young fool going the way of her house. He headed in her direction, and that's all that it takes. It's too attractive an enticement of a sin. You have to stay away altogether. Trust your parents. Trust your church. Trust your pastor. Trust your brothers in this church. Don't even get near them. Don't date them. Don't look at them. Don't talk to them. Stay around virtuous women and let us help you get married. Rather than falling in anything like Amnon did. Thankfully, Joseph was strong. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Day by day, Joseph endured it, and he's a blessed man for it, and we love him. For when he is tried and passes the trial, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love Him. Joseph is in heaven. And Joseph is in heaven with a crown of life. He's been given eternal life because he showed that great evidence of eternal life, of enduring temptation, resisting sin, out of faith. You know, men may turn down a woman for some other reason. It doesn't count in the sight of God. Joseph turned down the woman because of what the Lord had said. That that would be a great sin in the sight of God, and so it was enduring temptation in the way that God approves, and He received the crown of life. Brethren, the trial of our faith occurs every day. We face temptations, but it's in facing those temptations and not letting our lust react, but rather our fool, our faith, our faith respond to those temptations that's the evidence of eternal life. It's adding patience to our faith. It's showing the patience of hope. And so, it's the evidence. And here we have a blessing from God. As He introduces a little theology lesson, He says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, and just the trials don't prove eternal life, when he is tried and endures it, he shall receive a crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love Him. What is the great motive that keeps men saying no to Mrs. Potiphar's? The love of God. If you love God enough, you would never do such a thing that would offend God. If you love God enough, you would never take His Holy Spirit and join that Holy Spirit to a harlot as 1 Corinthians 6 describes. It's the love of God that should move men To say, I will endure this temptation. I know that it is sent in His love toward me. And for me to show my love toward Him, I will bear it up because I trust Him. And so, we win a crown of life as the reward for enduring temptations to sin and responding by faith. We don't earn our way to heaven. No one should misunderstand me. But the Lord sets forth these crowns as rewards in the descriptive language he uses to encourage us to endure the temptation. Verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. I don't care how strong the temptation is. I don't care how much the lust may be burning in you. Don't blame God for it. Blame yourself. You have heated your lust up to a level that's causing you trouble, not the Lord. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. And at this point, we have gone to a new use of the word tempt. We have gone to a meaning of the word tempt, an enticement to sin, an infusion of evil, a seduction to sin. God does not do that because God is not tempted that way and neither tempts He any man that way and no man should ever reason that way. This is how corrupt we are. When the Lord begins to apply the furnace of affliction in our lives, we respond in all sort by in the, in our flesh. We respond in all sorts of wicked ways. We get angry. You know, this morning when I said people get angry at God, you've heard about them. I hope you never have. I hope you've never got angry at God, and so that even to say the words or to hear the words is hard for you to bear. It's hard for me to say them. I can't imagine it. To get angry at God. I can imagine a lot of things. Trust me. But I can't imagine getting angry at God. But when we're pressed with the fire of affliction, men respond in all sorts of evil ways. And one of the ways is to blame God for the desire they have in their heart for this thing that they should refuse. And so we get a little lesson in theology. You want to learn about God? James is going to tell us by the inspiration of the very Spirit of God. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. And no longer are these merely circumstances, or afflictions, or troubles, or situations. This use of the word now is, and we're going to see it defined, the desire from the inside, the enticement for sin. God does not do that. God can make a Mrs. Potiphar beautiful, and God can arrange for Joseph to be bought by Potiphar when he was sold by his brothers into Egypt. But God hasn't done anything in the way of enticing Joseph to that sin by the lust that first must occur before sin occurs. The rest of these verses are going to tell us that. We want to understand the difference. When it says God cannot be tempted with evil, God can be tempted in the other way of circumstances trying Him. If you go read your Bible, you'll find the Old Testament that Israel often tempted God. How did they tempt Him? By behaving in such a way that it gave Him the circumstances of considering judgment. But never was God tempted by having a desire to do evil. And God never does that to any man. He does not put evil in man's heart. He does not stir up lust in a man's heart. He may arrange circumstances, but He does not put that desire in our hearts. And we're to know that about God right here. Right here in the middle of this consideration about temptation, we're to understand the nature, character, and conduct of God so that we would never accuse Him of being the cause of our lust. The desire that is inside of you came from you, not from God. The fact that He put something good in your path, something that in its own right is not evil, but your abuse of it becomes evil, that's your fault, not His. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Never say that. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth He any man. Our Lord is of pure eyes than to behold iniquity approvingly. Our God is so holy... He's thrice holy and he cannot look on sin and even consider doing it. We believe in a doctrine called the impeccability of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was above and beyond sin. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He faced circumstances. He had women kissing his feet, following him his entire ministry. He lived through the prime of youth. But he was better than Joseph. He never gave in to those sins. Though he was tempted in all points, like every young man, is tempted by circumstances, by facing an opportunity, but never responding to it in lust, only responding to it by faith. He would never displease his Father in heaven. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. God does not do that, and the shame of it all is, He doesn't have to do that. We've got enough inside us. All He's got to do is arrange the circumstances and lift His grace and we'll go flying. Thank God for His grace. Thank Him every day for His grace. Pray for Him not to lead you into temptation but to deliver you from evil. Ask Him as we just had prayed for us. Incline my heart after Thy commandments instead of after covetousness. Make me to go in the way of Thy commandments. Make me to run in the way of Thy precepts. Those are the things we ought to pray because if he withdraws himself like he did from Hezekiah to show Hezekiah what was in his heart, Hezekiah showed the ambassadors from Babylon all the treasures of Jerusalem. 2 Chronicles 32 31 tells us God left him to show him what was in his heart. Verse 14 How do we sin? Not because of God, because of ourselves. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. What is your lust? It is your desire for evil things. It is your evil desire for sinful things. It is that propensity and desire and craving you have inside of you for sin. It is what we call depravity. But in this passage, it is no longer a dry and dull doctrine. It is a very practical warfare that we have to fight every day. That is why we started with the verse, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If you don't keep your heart with all diligence and you relax about your heart, your heart will conceive lusts, because your heart is depraved and desperately wicked. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. The word tempted, again, is being used here, not by the arrangement of circumstances, But by the enticement to sin, the desire for sin, the beauty of sin is found in our hearts and in our lusts, not in God's arrangements of the circumstances. God tempted Abraham by giving him an assignment that we would think is almost impossible. But notice, it wasn't more than he could bear, because with the grace of God and Abraham's faith, he bore it. He bore it well. He gave his son such a good answer. And you know what is he raised the knife and he was going to slay his son. He didn't raise his knife thinking God was going to stop him at that point. He did not believe that God would stop him with his knife in the air. He believed that God would stop him after he had killed his son and buried him. How do I know that? Hebrews chapter 11 says that he, knew, he believed that God would raise him from the dead. Amen. Now that's a lot of faith. But notice how he responded to circumstances that the Bible tells us God put into place. He responded by faith. Lust would have thrown that temper tantrum that Hollywood says he threw. He responded by faith. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away. Drawn away from what? God and the way of righteousness. Drawn away from God. He is pulled away from God and the way of righteousness by his lust. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Not God's lust. And not a God-infused lust, but His own lust. One that we have, and do you know where you got it? From your first birth. We're drawn away from God and righteousness and keeping the path of righteousness and responding by faith to temptations by our own lust. Your own lust. Lust, a craving, a desire, a coveting for evil things. A belief that sin is beautiful and will bring you pleasure and a desire for it. Verse 14 tells us, and then we're enticed. Our lust, the desire for evil things, comes upon an idea. It sees an opportunity. And it is enticed. It likes the thought. It's pleased by it. It thinks this will work. This will give me pleasure. And was confident. He was sick over it. That Tamar would please him. He was drawn away of his own lust and he was enticed with the thought of having his sister. Then when lust hath conceived, when it's conceived the idea, and the opportunity for it to come into being exists, it bringeth forth sin. It starts in our heart. It starts in our heart with an evil lust for anything. If God has forbidden it, you shouldn't even be thinking about it. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 9 says, "...the thought of foolishness is sin." As soon as Amnon had the first thought, the Bible says it is sin. The thought of foolishness is sin. Young men, older men, fantasies are sin. Fantasies are lusts. They're desires in your mind. And if you play with one, it will be enticed. And then once you're enticed, it will conceive sin and all that keeps you back is the opportunity for it. And if God, in His pure goodness, arranges an opportunity, your lust, which hath conceived the idea and has been enticed with it as being attractive, will take advantage of the opportunity. God forbid. God forbid. That is how sin happens. God isn't at fault. Because God arranges the circumstance; He is not fault. The the circumstances are good. Therefore, you're good. And the parties that are in them are good. It's what you're doing. It starts with you. And so the Bible condemns us and our own lusts and being enticed and then allowing sin to conceive an idea. And then it brings forth sin as it has opportunity. We were able to see that in the life of Amnon. He started with a thought. You know, he saw her in the family swimming pool. And I'm not being funny one bit. He saw her in the family swimming pool. His lust conceived an idea. It was enticed. He conceived the idea of his sister. And his wicked cousin gave him the opportunity by telling him how to do it. And then sin, when he conceived the idea and the opportunity was provided, it brought forth sin. And sin brought forth death. And look at how quickly it brought forth horrible death in the soul of Amnon. In one second, he hated her more than he had loved her. Do you all understand a little bit about sin? His name is called in the Hebrew, Abaddon. His name is called in the Greek, Apollyon. And the Lord wants us to know those Hebrew and Greek words. What do they mean? Destroyer. The destroyer. Sin enticed him. Good. This'll Wow. She's hot. And in one second, Adam and Eve knew they were naked and were ashamed of each other though they were husband and wife, alone in the universe, alone in the world. Amnon hated her more than he had ever loved her because sin is a destroyer and it brings forth death. It brought forth death to all of the enticement he had thought that it would give him. All the attraction and pleasure that he saw in Tamar was ripped away from him because it brings death in every way. I wrote a proverb to you this past week about the death of sin or the way to die. And sin will take you down every one of those ways. Did you read the explanation? Did you read the commentary? About how so many live a life of death and then they die. But when they're dead, they still are yet to die. Because there's a second death that is still coming. Because of sin. Verse 15, When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren... Do not make a mistake and assign any responsibility for your sins to God. He may bring trials and afflictions and circumstances into your life, but He has also given you faith and He's given you His Word and He's told you that it's good and knowing the trial of your faith worketh patience. He encourages you by every motive to endure. He offers a crown of life. He says if you lack wisdom, if you're not sure how to handle Mrs. Potiphar, ask for wisdom and I'll give it to you liberally. And I'll not upbraid you for asking, asking for it. I'll not make fun of you nor reproach you. But you're asking for wisdom because you don't know how to deal with a simple temptation. But cry out for wisdom and I'll give it to you. I'll save you. I'll help you. He does not infuse evil in you or make you sin. We sin because of our own lusts. That's where it all comes from. And that's why I started with the verse and I know I've repeated myself. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If you allow yourself a fantasy of rebellion as a wife, a fantasy for someone you're not married to as a man, a fantasy for coveting something that another has, any type of thought towards sin is lust. You're allowing lust to rear its ugly head. It will be enticed because lust loves sin. And once it's enticed, it will conceive an idea. And if you conceive an idea and the God of heaven is not superabundant with grace and mercy, he will arrange the circumstances for your conceived idea to destroy your life. Do not err, my beloved brethren. If you've missed the point so far, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above. The only things that ever come from that direction down are good and they're perfect and they're holy and they're light and they're beautiful and they're wonderful and they're precious and they're godly and they're pure and noble. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. 1 John one five. He is the Father of lights. Oh, let thy light and truth lead me. O oh, heavenly sunlight, filling my soul with glory divine. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You can look at that any way you want. We sometimes say, I don't even have the shadow of a doubt. Meaning, I certainly don't have doubts but I don't even have the shadow of one. And we could say God cannot turn, and it doesn't even have the shadow of turning. But we can also look at the expression Father of lights and think about the sun, as I've already explained to you. The sun, though we think it a very constant source of light, is very variable. God is never variable. He has never sent any darkness down from above. He has never sent any lust down from above. He only sends good and perfect gifts, and they come down from above. Brethren, everything in life that we're about to go out and face, the temptations that He brings us, those temptations He puts in front of us are done in goodness, and they're good and perfect gifts. They're arrangements of circumstances for our perfection. If we respond to them in faith, we will grow in patience. If we have patience this year and next year, we will have experience. If we have experience, we'll have hope, and He will flood our souls with His love, so that we will know that we are His and will never be ashamed. If we respond in lust, it is our fault, entirely our fault, and not God's, because we have taken something good and ruined it. Lo, Solomon said at the end of Ecclesiastes 7, Lo, God hath made man upright. But he has sought out many inventions. God has sent His good and perfect gifts down from above, and we have corrupted them and perverted them. Do not err, my beloved brethren. God is perfectly holy. He' is of pure eyes and behold iniquity. He cannot be tempted with evil, never has been, never will be, and neither tempteth he any man by enticing them to sin. He may arrange some circumstances. But it's the wicked hands of Romans and Jews that killed the Lord Jesus Christ, even though it was the determinate council that arranged all the details so that not a bone was broken and he was hung on a tree to fulfill the prophecies. But they with wicked hands brought judgment on that city of Jerusalem. And so Amnon brought judgment upon himself. David brought judgment upon himself. David could not fault God for making a beautiful Bathsheba. God, David could only fault himself for the lust that was in his heart. And so we have two rules that we part company with. Keep thy heart with all diligence. If you even think about sin, the thought of, the thought of foolishness is sin. If you even think about it, you're already wrong. That's Proverbs 24.9 and Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Do not even allow the thought to enter your mind about wickedness. Second, Romans thirteen fourteen. make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Since you have lusts so close to the surface, don't give those lusts any occasion to burst forth and lay hold of something and be enticed by it. Therefore, your television, your magazines, your internet, your company, your friends, all that you do, all that you see, David said thing before mine eyes make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof if you cut off opportunities for your lust to be enticed and to conceive sin you can beat sin i didn't say you can live a perfect life i said you can beat sin like joseph beat sin joseph had other sins in his life but what an example he had there were two things joseph had that the bible teaches us He kept his heart with all diligence. He knew that out of it were the issues of life. And he wouldn't make a provision for the flesh. He wouldn't even be with her. He wouldn't even be with her. We must make the same two choices. Do not err, my beloved brethren. This is how we can endure temptation. And what is the reward? A crown of life. What's the motive that can cause us to do this? The love of God. Do you love him enough this morning to say I want to be a Joseph? I want to be a Joseph, I don't want to be a David in Second Samuel eleven, and I certainly don't want to be an Amnon in Second Samuel thirteen. I want to be a Joseph. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.